Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. So my teaching today is simply titled The Outrageous the outrageous generosity of God, the outrageous generosity of God. I just couldn't come up with a, a, a better word. There's probably there probably are better words, um, uh, unfathomable, un- unmeasurable. Like I'm sure there's more words that you can come up with to describe the generosity of God. But my word for today is the outrageous generosity of God. It's like almost too good to be true. It's it's outrageous is that like somebody tells you something that you can hardly believe. And you're like, that's outrageous. This is this is how generous God is. It's the outrageous generosity of God, the outrageous, the extravagant, the um, the 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 miraculous, the supernatural, the unexplainable, the unfathomable, the immeasurable generosity of God. You come up with any words you want and God's generosity is even greater than that. It's greater than that. Now, I want you to see in this verse in Proverbs chapter 19, verse six, I'll read it to you from the English Standard Version. It's it's the same in most in most versions. But this one just grabbed me and it says this. It says um, many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. One translation says, and I I haven't been able to find this translation recently, but one translation says everyone wants to be the friend of him that gives good gifts. Everyone wants to be a friend, the friend of him that gives good gifts. Now, let's make sure we know who the Bible is talking about here, because he says he says everyone wants to seek the favor of a generous man. What kind of man? a generous man. And everyone wants to be the friend to him that gives gifts or that gives good gifts. And let me just make sure that we're talking about the same person here over in Luke chapter 11. It says in verse 11, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Uh, Will he he will give him will he not get will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Or would he if he asked for an egg, will he not give him a scorpion? He wouldn't give him a scorpion, would he? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How how much more? Everybody say how much more? How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And over in Matthew chapter seven, Verse 11, he says something very similar. I just want to make sure we're talking about the same person here in Matthew, chapter seven, verse 11. He says it this way. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father who's in heaven give what is good, give what is good, give what is good to those who ask him. If you being evil, if you fathers, you're you know, we all have screwed up. We've all messed up. All of us are imperfect. If you fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him to those who ask him, you know, who those are who will ask him those who believe in his outrageous generosity. You'll never ask God for something if you don't believe he's generous. You'll never ask boldly 
if you don't believe in this outrageous generosity of God. Now, this scripture back in Proverbs chapter 19, it just blew my mind. And I realized, wow, this is the problem in the world today is that so much of the preaching that goes on in churches and so much of the preaching that goes on uh, by preachers is a distorted view of God. It's a distorted view of God, because, listen, the Bible here says that that everyone wants to be the friend of him who gives gifts. Now, we just found out who this is talking about. This is talking about our heavenly father, because if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more, how much, how much more will your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him? This is talking about God. Everyone wants to be the friend. Have you ever wondered why? Why are some of my relatives so stubborn and they haven't come to Jesus yet? Why are why are some of the people at work you're just rejecting Jesus and they're not ready to worship God? They're not ready to walk with God. Let me tell you something, because they haven't discovered how generous God is yet. Because once you realize how generous he is, the scripture is true. The Bible says everyone wants to be a friend to him that gives gifts. In other words, when you realize how generous God is, you're going to want to be his friend. And he's OK with that because he doesn't want you to have any other view of him because any other view, your view of a stingy God is a wrong concept of God. Your view of a of a judgmental God is a wrong view of God. Your view of a God who you got to earn his love and acceptance and his gifts from is a is a is a wrong view of God. Let me tell you what the right view of God is. He is outrageously generous. He is he is overtaken by how much he wants to give you that he has. So he has loved us so much that we we've even forgotten how to read John 316. We've all heard that verse a million times, but we forgot how to read it. God so loved God so loved. How did he love? He loved so he loved in such a way that he gave his only begotten son at the time. It's his only son, Jesus. God proves his generosity by giving us Jesus. And in him, he's given us everything. Whatever Jesus did is an act of God's generosity. God gave Jesus and then Jesus gave healing. Jesus gave salvation. Jesus gave forgiveness. Jesus gave deliverance. Jesus gave uh, food to the hungry. Jesus gave clothes to the naked. Jesus cast out demons. He raised the dead. He comforted the widows. He was he strengthened the weak. He fed the hungry. He 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 surrounded people that were hurting with his healing hand and everyone he touched was healed and everyone that touched him would would be healed. This is how generous God is. There's enough for everybody. There's never he never runs out. The Bible says his goodness and his mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. All the days. Let me tell you something about the goodness of God. The goodness of God is best described as generosity, the generosity of God. If you're looking for what's the best description of the goodness of God, it's the generosity of God. How can you prove it? You can prove it with John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave. You can prove it with Psalm 23, verse six. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days. All the days, all the days. I'm so glad he didn't say some days. Now, in all my research, 
I've studied this phrase all the days of my life. I'm a I'm a student of the Bible and I've studied this out all the days, all the days of my life. And I learned that all the days of my life include Monday. <laughs> all the days of my life include Tuesday. All the days of my life include yesterday. All the days of my life include today. All the days of my life include tomorrow. All the days of my life include the bad days. So whenever I have a bad day, I found out that's included, too. When I'm having a tough day, that's included in all my days. When I'm having a day where I don't know what to do, that's included in all the days of my life. When I'm having a good day, that's included in all the days of my life. A bad day, that's included in all the days of my life. A day when I'm on top of the mountain, that's included in all the days of my life. The day where I'm in the bottom of the valley, that's included in all the days of my life. The day that I fall and stumble badly, that's included in all the days of my life. The day that I'm running, running and not growing weary and walking and not fainting, that's included in all the days of my life. The day that I mount up with wings as eagles, that's included in all the days of my life. But the day when I can't even find my feathers, that's included in all the days of my life in the days where I can't find my shoes to run and not grow weary. That's included in all the days of my life in the days. I don't know where I'm going to go, where I'm going to get it from, how I'm going to do it. That's included in all the days of my life. And so let me tell you something about how generous God is. He makes sure that he supplies all that you need every day of your life. I have every bit of breath I need for today. And when I wake up tomorrow, I'll have every bit of breath I'll need for tomorrow and I'll have everything I need for tomorrow. I'll have strength for today because it's today. And when I get to tomorrow, I don't need any. I don't need tomorrow's strength today. I just need today's strength for today. Tomorrow, tomorrow, God will meet me with strength for today when tomorrow is today. And to get real spiritual and when today is tomorrow. He's so generous. He's so generous. The greatest enemy of the church is bad preaching. Not the devil. The devil's defeated. The greatest enemy of the church is a wrong concept of God a distorted view of God, a mixed view of God that sometimes God's going to really be good to you. And sometimes, you know, he's going to he's going to hold back because he's trying to teach you. That's that's not included in all the days of my life. Him holding back is not a part of that verse. He who did not withhold his own son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things. He freely gives us all things. Let me explain something to you, gang. The goodness, the outrageous generosity of God is the foundation for everything in our lives. The outrageous generosity of God needs to be the foundation 
for everything in your life. Let me start. Let me give you some things that this outrageous generosity is the foundation of. Number one, the outrageous generosity of God is the foundation of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith. In in other words, you, you couldn't even get saved until you realize how generous God was by sending Jesus. As soon as you realize, as soon as you believed John three sixteen, you got saved. As soon as you believed, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As soon as you believed that you were saved. What did you believe? What was the foundation of your faith? The outrageous generosity of God. He didn't give us just any old person to save us. He gave us Jesus. He gave us himself. He gave us the best. When Jesus turned the water into wine, they were blown away, not just because of the miracle of the multiplication. Well, he turned it water, he transformed water into wine. But not only was there so much, but it was the best wine. So when they when the when the person that that ran the party tasted the wine, he said, wow, well, when they tasted the wine, they said, wow, they they saved the best for last, the best. Jesus gives us the best. His generosity is unfathomable. It's outrageous. It's it's outstanding. It's it's uh, it will blow your mind and it will come upon you, the Bible says, and overtake you. It is the foundation for our faith. The generosity of God is, number one, the foundation of our faith. You see, a distorted view of God is you better grovel and you better beg and you better hit your knees if you're ever going to see the goodness of God. But we learned last week Peter saw the goodness of God and then he hit his knees. Peter saw the goodness of God while he was a sinner and that brought him to his knees. Jesus didn't say, get on your knees and pray, boy, and then I'll give you some goodness. Jesus gave his goodness and it led Peter to repentance. It's outrageous generosity. How many fish did Peter need that day? Really? Not many. He caught nothing all night. So just a handful would have been a blessing. But what did Jesus give him? Two boatloads and neither boat could hold them all in. And both boats began to sink. That, my friends, is outrageous generosity. He said in Deuteronomy 818, don't um, don't forget when you eat and you and you enjoy and you experience all this goodness. Don't forget that it is he that it is he that gave you the power to get wealth. It is he that gave you the power. It all comes from him. It is he who gives. 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 gives. Look at Romans 8, 32. Look at what he says. How shall he not? 
He who did not spare his own son, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give freely give us all things? Why are there not more believers believing? It's because they have a distorted view of God. The foundation of our faith has to become the outrageous generosity of God. Listen, it's so easy to pray when you know that God is so so eager to give give you everything that you need and then some so that you have more to give. He's eager to give. He's he's glad to do it. He said, look, look, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us freely give us all freely give us all things. I don't know about you, but that sounds like outrageous generosity to me. How about you? It sounds outrageous. It sounds it's overwhelming, really. When you think about it, how, he didn't spare his own son, delivered him up for us all and with him, with him, freely gives us all things. Look at Luke, chapter 12, verse 32, Luke, chapter 12, verse 32. Boy, you see this, you begin to see this and it begins to shape your faith. It's the foundation of our faith and it heals us and delivers us from fear. How do you know that? Because he says here in Luke 12, 32, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly. Your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. He's not reluctant about it. Nobody had to twist his arm about it. You didn't have to ask twice about it. You didn't have to pay him off and something and give him something to get it. it. He's not he's not doing it stingily. He's not doing it because it's an obligation. He's not doing it dutifully. He's not doing it because he's uh, because he, he just feels sorry for you. He has chosen gladly chosen gladly. That means, first of all, it's his choice. And second of all, he is excited and happy and full of joy doing it. To give you the kingdom, to give you the kingdom. This is the foundation. Listen, the outrageous generosity is the foundation of our faith and the outrageous generosity is the foundation of our generosity. Look at in the very next verse, in verse 33, then he says, sell your possessions, give to charity, make yourselves money belts who don't wear out unfailing treasure in heaven where, you know, and he talks about where moth and rust cannot destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. In other words, he doesn't say. Sell your possessions and give and then God will choose gladly. He says it the other way around. God has chosen gladly. Your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Verse 32. Now, knowing that he's chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now be generous. Mm, thank you for that. Amen. I really felt that right there. This is like. Mm, mm. <laughs> Do you see that? Do you see the way that God does things? He doesn't say sell your possessions and then God will give you the kingdom. He says 
God's chosen, your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Now that you know that now you're free to give. Now you can freely give because the foundation of your faith is established in the outrageous generosity of God. And now the foundation of your generosity is established on the foundation of the generosity of God. Look at first Timothy, chapter six, let me take you somewhere here. First Timothy, chapter six. So you guys keep track of how many how many foundations we're building here on the generosity of God so far. I think we got two, right? The, um, that, that, the, that the generosity of God is the foundation of our faith. The generosity of God is the foundation of our generosity. Um, here in first first Timothy, chapter six, verse 17. Look at what he says here. Such a beautiful passage. He says, instruct those who are rich to stop being rich. Is that what he says? Instruct those who are rich that the rich cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that what he says? Instruct those that are rich to turn over all their riches to the government <laughs> because they don't know because you, you the rich don't know how to use their money. The rich don't know how to how to t take care of what they have. They're evil. Instruct those that are rich that they're evil. Instruct those that are rich that they're greedy. Instruct those that are rich that they're selfish. Instruct those that are rich that they're not being sensitive to other people. Is that what he is he saying? Any of those things? Come on, talk to me. What is he saying? Instruct those that are rich in this present world not to be conceited and not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us, not just the rich. He richly supplies all of us, not just the rich. Instruct the rich and not to put their trust in their riches and not to put their hope in their riches because they're uncertain because they come and they go and it's up and it's down. The stock market's up and down and business goes up and down and money goes up and down. Instruct those that are rich not to put their hope in the uncertainty of riches, but put their hope in God, who, by the way, richly supplies all of us with all things. to enjoy my God, my God, have we been lied to? You are sitting here right now, probably hearing this verse for the first time in your life that God, you probably read it before, but you probably for the first time hearing it being told to you in how it's really meant to be that this is the nature of God. This is how outrageous, outrageously generous he is. He doesn't want you to live in misery. He doesn't want to give you things so that you'll be so that you'll, you know, so, so that you'll fall on your knees and finally, you know, give honor to the God that deserves 
terms that he wants. He you will do that. But he wants to richly supply you with all things, not so he can use you as an example. He does. He wants to richly supply you with all things, not so you can then make sure to serve him. He's he doesn't want to richly supply you with all things so that you can just make sure to you know give it all away and test your heart. He wants to supply you with all things for you to enjoy. For you to enjoy, man, we've got so many Christians in the world today. They've got no joy and they don't know how to enjoy all the things that God gives. He, first of all, richly supplies. It comes from him and he supplies you with all things and he wants you to enjoy them. He doesn't supply you with all things so you'll be miserable. He supplies you with all things so that you can have joy. or so that you can enjoy like, look, we got to stop. We got to stop guilt shaming people who are enjoying their life. You can't. You can't sit in front of a you can't sit in front of a a piping hot, beautiful pepperoni pizza. And say, oh, I probably shouldn't enjoy this because so many people are starving and I probably shouldn't enjoy this because, you know, what's I'm going to have to, you know, exercise a lot to work all this cheese off. You have got to learn to enjoy your life, to enjoy life and all the things that God supplies. Well, you know, God only gives you enough for you. Where's that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? Oh, God only gives you enough for you. You know what? Jesus dealt with that in Genesis when he said, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. He doesn't even get to Exodus before he says that, like (laughs) he says it in Genesis, like he wants to be sure that you get a hold of the fact that God blesses you to be a blessing. Like, in other words, if he only blesses you with enough for you, how can you be a blessing to anybody else? Well, you know, there's not enough to go around. Let me tell you something. There is enough pizza for everybody. You don't have to cut it up and divide it up and just everybody just gets one piece. There is so much. You know, they waste so much when they're making pizza. You know, cut to make it, you know, cutting, throwing off all this extra flour and extra dough and extra cheese and extra like 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 even the dogs eat food from the master's table. Right. The Bible says there's so much. And we're shaming ourselves into sacrificial living because we think that's pleasing to God. And what pleases God is for you to receive all that he paid so dearly in his own blood so that you could be redeemed from the curse of poverty, of sin, of sickness of disease. All of that is the curse. And Jesus redeemed us. Yes. 
so that we could be forgiven, saved, healed, blessed coming in and blessed going out. He richly supplied. Did the devil. Let's go back to first Timothy six, verse 17. It says God. Put your hope in God who richly supplies us with all things. To enjoy. So who is the author of enjoyment? Did the is enjoying life the devil's idea or God's idea? Is supplying you what you need, the devil's idea or God's idea? And how does God supply richly supplies one or two of us? Us. Us is all of us. Us here is the same us in Matthew, Chapter one, when he says, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That applies to everybody. Everybody is a part of us. He richly supplies us with all things. Let me ask you something. Does all things include healing? Do all things include peace? Do all things include joy? Do all things include blessings? Do all things include paid bills? Do all things include healthy relationships, happy homes, good businesses, all things include all things. See, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get you to understand the outrageous generosity of God, because then you'll go boldly to him and you won't be ashamed to ask. You won't be ashamed to receive. You won't be ashamed to give. You won't be ashamed to share. You won't be afraid to share. You won't be afraid to reach out. You won't be afraid to help somebody because, you know, he richly supplies. I'm not talking to you about some worldly uh, obsession with things. I'm talking about being obsessed. Heavenly obsessed with what your heavenly father is really like. Do you get that? I'm telling you, I'm not saying this Christian life is all about getting all these things. No, I'm telling you, this Christian life is all about knowing how good and generous and loving your heavenly father is. And then that becomes the foundation. If God is a miserable, stingy miser, what would motivate me to try to bring other people into his kingdom of misery? I'm probably, first of all, not going to be in it myself. And I'm not going to want to I'm not going to be motivated to help anybody else have a relationship with a miserable God that is going to make your life miserable, because I'm going to tell you something. Everything Jesus did, every person he came in contact with, he made their life better. He never made anybody worse. He only made their life 
better. So why in the 21st century would he change his nature now? He wouldn't. He doesn't. He can't. He won't. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. His generosity. His generosity is the foundation for a bitter, free life. It is the foundation for a bitter, free life. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, do not come short of the grace of God. Now, so that no root of bitterness will spring up and cause trouble and defile many. Notice what he says. He says. A root of bitterness enters when we come short of the grace of God. Now, this word short is literally translated as the word inferior. So what he literally is telling us is do not accept an inferior life to the grace of God. Don't accept a life that is less than the grace of God. Don't accept a life that is less than his unmerited favor and love. Don't accept a life that's inferior to his generosity. Grace is got G.R.A.C.E. An acronym for that is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Listen, don't let the devil tell you some of you some maybe there's one or two people listening and you're saying, oh, he's talking about he's just talking. He's talking. He's referring to money and wealth and prosperity. No, I'm referring to the nature of God. I am not. I don't care about money. I care about you knowing God's nature and what he's really like and his outrageous generosity, which will spill over into your faith so that you can ask for your family members to be saved and not think God's trying to God think, I don't know if I can save them. You know, they're a tough cause. You were harder. You were tougher (laughs) when God saved you. This is at least what he told me when God's when when I saved you, son, I saved the worst first. (laughs) The rest of them are going to be easy compared to getting you into the kingdom. Let me tell you something. You define what riches are by your own heart, not by my words. What are riches to you? To me, it's all my family members serving God, walking with Jesus, experiencing his love, experiencing his power, being at peace. It's it's a bitter, free life. That's the wealth of God. The riches of God is being able to pray with power and see my prayers answered. That's a that is a richness. That is abundance. That is the ability to to, Jesus said, abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask anything and it shall be done for you. That to me is uh, is true riches is being able to go to God about anything. I go to God when I'm sad and he'll wipe every tear from my eyes. I can go to God when I'm mad and he'll turn it around for something good. I can go to God when I'm feeling alone and he will comfort me. I can go to God when I'm sick and he will heal me. I can go to God when I'm broken and he will fix me. I can go to God when I don't know what to do and he'll give me wisdom and answers. That's how generous he is. I'm talking to you about the outrageous generosity of God. All right, I got I got to go to London because the Bears are playing. Hold on. I'll see you guys later. Okay. (laughs) Okay. He says, don't let anyone fall short 
or live an inf- a life that is inferior to God's generosity, because when you think that God when you when you don't realize how generous he is, when somebody takes something from you or somebody hurts you, you'll get bitter. But when you know how generous God is, somebody can take something from you and, you know, you know, God will restore and you know how he restores. He doesn't restore. He doesn't. He's so good and he's so outrageously generous. He doesn't restore just what was taken from you. He restores sevenfold. And he doesn't just restore things sevenfold. Proverbs six thirty one. He doesn't he doesn't just restore things. He restores years. Joel, chapter two, verse twenty five. He doesn't just restore things and years and and people. He restores hearts. Luke four, eighteen and nineteen. He restores years. He restores people. The prodigal son, he talks about the son was restored. The coin was restored. The sheep was restored. He's the restorer of our soul, guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. My God, he's so outrageously generous when you get a hold. See, if you are like, oh, you don't don't talk too much about that. We don't want people expecting too much. We don't want people expecting too much when Ephesians 3:20 says that he will do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. Are you kidding me? Well, I think we should be talking about souls then. I think we should use you just talking about things. You should be talking about souls. Why don't you take the verse I'm sharing and use it for all the souls you're believing for? Shut your religious mouth. Bring that up. Now slap it all right off of you. I'll, I'll get in the flesh just for you. I will do it, man. I'm at war with religion. That's man's man's righteousness. No. I'm all about receiving his righteousness. Mine is filthy rags. So is yours. But his. Bring the best robe and put it on my son. Hey, podcast. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If this message has blessed you in any way, we'd love for you to share it with your family, your friends or anyone that you think would enjoy these amazing teachings. And also make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. So you never miss an episode.